All right, everybody, welcome back to the Northwest Convergence Zone show. What a show we have for you today. It's going to be interesting because, uh, well, we got one of our members, uh, he's MIA, but we got him on the phone. And uh, this is Big D here with you. And uh, on the phone with us is our counterpart, our the big stud of the program. Joe, what's happening? <laughs> uh, Greetings and salutations, as always, from a secret location somewhere in Pierce County. And uh, <laughs> anybody listening, guess the location and guess what you get. Yes, a bumper sticker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Big Joe, why are you on the phone? I'm on the phone. Because uh, I have done something uh, stupid, as usual, <laughs> and I had locked myself out of the homestead. Oh, brother. Yes. So uh, are you, are you uh, going to be on your way soon, then? Are you going to uh, join us at some point? Uh, the, the, the wife is on her way to bail me out, and I'm sure that will uh, be real nice later on. Yeah, that's going to go over real well since she had to leave work. I will be paying for that. Okay. So exactly how do you lock yourself out of a house? Well, you walk out and you leave your keys in the house and then you lock the door for security reasons and uh, you find out that uh, the house is pretty secure. That's why it's usually good to have an extra key on the premises. Thank God I had a cigar with me. <laughs> yes. Oh. Hey, you were saved. We, <laughs> sure. we got no problem now. No, no, I'm good. All right. Double D, how's it going? Doing pretty good, just trying to learn how to lock myself out of a house. Yeah, I've usually been able to get in everywhere I've wanted to get in. So, <laughs> All right, and we got Wonder Boys here. Wonder Boy, how's it going back there? Wave and uh, Craig, which is now the our new nickname for Craig is Squeeze. Squeeze. So from now on, we're going to call him Squeeze. Squeeze. Yes. So uh, this program, we have a really uh, special interview that we did earlier with... Uh, does it have anything to do with the music we just played? Absolutely does. Really? Yes. Um, that, that sounded like the million-dollar quintet. It was. That is the early days of rock and roll. That is the beginning of all the music, uh, pop music, rock music, rap music, whatever you want to hear, whatever you're listening to today, that started it all. And we have an interview. We did an interview with the guy. Now, we throw the term legend around uh, pretty liberally here. Uh, these days in the States, we call this guy a legend, that girl a legend, whatever. But the, the, the man we're talking to today, absolute, no doubt about it, true Northwest legend. And I defy anybody to, to tell me different. And his name is Red Robinson, probably not that well known down here in the Tacoma, Seattle area, although he was on in Portland for a while. But he was, a, he was, and still is, a disc jockey out of Vancouver, and he basically introduced Canada to rock and roll. Yeah. He was the first one to bring in Elvis, he brought in the Beatles, he brought in Bill Haley, and brought in uh, Buddy Holly, you name it, and he has thousands and thousands of, of hours of interviews and everything. This man is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, that's in the United States Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He's in the Canadian 
Rock Hall of Fame. He has a theater named after him. And I think when it's all said and done, they're just going to have to hold, name the whole uh, damn town after him. Just call it Red British Columbia. Because <laughs> this guy, this guy was amazing. And he has a book out. And we have it. I've got it right here in my hand. It's called Backstage Vancouver, A Century of Entertainment Legends. And you guys took a look at it. What would you think? I really like the cars out of it. <laughs> Had some really cool cars. That's, that's it has uh, pictures. It has amazing pictures of Marilyn Monroe and uh, all the early entertainers. Bob Hope, Louis Armstrong, everybody that rolled through Vancouver. And it has some really cool writings about the, the different concerts that went on and all the different people that floated through there. In fact, one of my favorite is, uh, I'm looking at it right now, it's a picture of Lou Rawls, who did a concert in Vancouver at a place called The Cave. Go, go figure. And he, has a, he is holding a death threat letter from the Ku Klux Klan, uh, the Knights of the Ku Klux Klan. They threatened to kill him if he actually did his show, and he went on and did it anyway. You don't expect that stuff out of Vancouver, but back in the day, things were crazy. And, yeah. you know, wow. so uh, this guy is an absolute legend, and we caught up with him, and he had some great stories about Elvis, and he had some opinions about uh, different things that are going on in radio today. In fact, I want to preface this interview. I ask a question here that, about the Canadian content law. Now, a lot of people around here don't know what that means, but in Canada, on a radio station or on the TV station, even in the sports teams, you have to have 30% Canadian artists or, or Canadians uh, every hour or on every team or whatever, 30% has to be filled by Canadian content. And so it's hard for them to have a, you know, a rock and uh, a greatest hits rock and roll station. It's hard for them to have... Uh, top 40 stations because 30% of it has to include Canadian artists. The other thing that they have is a hit, no hit rule, where every time you play a hit by somebody, you have to play a song that is not a hit, and that is really tough for them. And I, I get lots of complaints from my Canadian friends about how the radio up there sucks. Red Robinson, uh, he, he addresses this issue in this interview. So without further ado, this is the man, the myth, the legend, He's an incredible human being. His name is Red Robinson. So we're on the line with legendary broadcaster Red Robinson, and he is on. Uh, uh, this has been a great ride, a great journey, and I'm sure most of the uh, DJs who lived in that in that golden era. It's too bad radio is not what it was, and it sure the heck isn't, you know. No, and we're gonna. I'm gonna ask you about that a little later on. The state of radio today, because it is. Uh, well, it depresses us. It really does. What well, depresses all of us, you know. Yeah. Well. Let's start at the beginning. Can you tell us about Young Red, where you grew up, who your parents were, and what it was like as a kid for you? Well, it's interesting. I was born on Vancouver Island in a small town called Comox, and uh, my dad and uh, mom uh, were born on the island, too. But my grandfather on my mother's side was um, the first railroad engineer on Vancouver Island, and he logged with, with railroads in those days uh, his whole career. Uh, believe this or not, at home, people were born at home before the turn of the century, and even after that. Yeah. Uh, she was born on Queen Anne Hill in Seattle. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, we like that, a Northwest connection all around. Oh, yeah, I got a picture of my grandmother when she was a five-year-old little girl 
sitting on the lap of Teddy Roosevelt on a buckboard on Queen Anne Hill. Wow. <laughs> that is amazing. It is. Big trees around there. You know, I mean, yeah. of course, the whole Northwest was huge trees, as you know. Right. And, uh, well, from there, you uh, you obviously, did you grow up? Where did you grow up, actually? Vancouver. My, my around dad, Vancouver. Yeah, my dad, after the war, moved over here. And uh, we tagged along. We thought it'd be a good idea to have a family. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, always. and I started school. As a matter of fact, the school, uh, elementary school that I went to last year, celebrated its uh, 100th birthday, and uh, it, it was fun. We had a big reunion. Oh yeah. And um, but we in those days, you know, it was fun. One of the wonderful, simple things we went went from grade because this is part of the British Commonwealth. It was called <laughs> King Edward High School. Okay. And it, oddly enough, next year is going to be 100 years old. But anyway, I went there. <laughs> And I couldn't help, ladies and gentlemen, have you tried mess tea or whatever? Right. Uh, he was, uh, hey, I want to get the temperature here. Follow me. And he'd grab his microphone. <laughs> and he would go. It was theater of the mind. And he'd go sure. up on the roof of school. There was a radio guy on KING in Seattle called Gil Henry. Oh, yeah. And he had King's Open House. And that was the first block programming that I'd ever heard. You know, where you have, they were playing rhythm and blues. Well, that turned my life around. <laughs> I just, I said, this is it. I out of that studio and the kids from... A local high school would come down, and the next thing you knew, within a month, I had them lined up for blocks. The police came to the radio station and said to the program director, you got to take this young man back into the studio. We can't do this. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> And they did. And I said, oh, well, this is too much fun. I love being with an audience. I still do to this day. Uh, does the word ham mean anything to you? <laughs> but, but, but anyway, no, because I get, you get energy from people. Sure. So oh, I yeah. said, listen, listen, I can't broadcast from that studio anymore. Why don't we go down to the beach on Friday? Come on down. And I was just playing records in those days. You've got to remember, right, uh, yeah. uh, Daryl. And uh, this place was called uh, the Kitsch Showboat. And what they did there, they had bleachers on the beach. And they had held about the bleachers 10,000. And how did that feel for Red? Oh, my God. I've got, I've got that picture because I used to always hire a photographer to go with me because I wanted to cherish all these moments. Sure. Not because I could see the future. Nobody, people would say that go, oh, yeah, sure. But no, it was just 10,000 people. To me, that's 1956. That was the beginning uh, in Canada for rock and roll. I just knew this thing had caught fire. So did you have time? You've got to remember, and of course, you're a younger guy, Daryl, but in 1953, the first charted. Well, that's why, and I believe iTunes and all these things have become so popular, and radio is, is, has lost its grip because they have for so long now told us this is what's a hit. And I don't, no, with that, I, I, there are exceptions. I mean, Pet Sounds, uh, uh, you know, he comes back in. He says, we're, we're going to do a scene out of uh, the movie Jailhouse Rock. And of course, it hadn't come out. It came out a month after he was here. And I said, what's this all about? He said, well, put your, <laughs> put your arms up over that shower rod there. And, uh, and then he put the handcuffs on. And he talks a bunch of gibberish, rah, 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 and, which I later found out wasn't in a movie at all. And, uh, <laughs> but he's doing pretend because he's a practical joker. And then he takes the key and he throws it down into the shower somewhere. And he says, looks up at me, and he's down on his knees looking for it, and he says, Red, I guess you'll have to, I'll have to go out and introduce myself. You're all tied up. <laughs> so that was funny. And, uh, of course, I'll never forget the picture. Of, uh, he, he went to uh, the door to get the cop. Uh, and well, one of them, and they came in, and they're both down on their on their knees looking for this damn key. Well, they did find it, thank goodness. And were you able to introduce them then? Oh yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, just and the Beatles. The Beatles in '64 was another unbelievable experience. Same stadium, and what a show that was too. Oh, I I, I can only imagine. That was that must have been electrifying. Oh, unbelievable. Although you know, when you listen to the sound because they recorded it all, uh, they couldn't hear themselves. So there's a lot of off keys and miscues. And, 
But that's how it was in those days. You know, they had those little fender amps. They didn't have much. It's the same thing that happened when they hit Shea Stadium. Oh, yeah, anywhere. The yeah. screaming was so loud, they, you, could, you know, the bootleg recordings and stuff, you can barely hear them. But, uh, okay, well, a side note, you've seen and lived through a lot of these uh, singers and stars who have come and gone, sadly, many of them way too young. Who do you uh, miss the most? Uh, Richie Valens. You know, I had booked Richie here, and he played uh, four gigs for me in Vancouver. Even his family couldn't recall that he did it, but I sent them the color photos of it all. <laughs> and uh, uh, he was a wonderful kid. And, he, you know, after ran personally for 23 years, uh, and we even invested in different things together with Roy Orbison. I miss Roy to this day. I think of him all the time. He was a gentleman. He was a talent and uh, probably one of the nicest human beings I've ever met. That's amazing. We all miss Roy. Fair here. Yes. Uh, huge and made money. Um, <laughs> one of the last ones yeah, to do that. One of the last one to do it. Uh, I brought in the 41 acts at that time, the greatest acts of rock and roll. Uh, Ray Charles was on the bill and uh, the Everly Brothers and Roy Orbison. I mean, it went on for 13 wow. weeks. We had a matinee and then an the evening show. It was every Sunday for 13 weeks. And uh, the Righteous Brothers go on. Anyway, I'm, I go out in the matinee show, and I've got two seats uh, for my wife and myself. And uh, the lights go on, and Roy comes out, and he sings. It was the Expo Theater, held about 4,400. You know what? This guy wrote Blue Bayou. This guy, it's his song. He wrote these songs pretty well at the Division Street Corral. The year was 1959, and I work with John, I think, every year uh, up until about uh, two, three years before his passing. Wow, yeah, that's the, if we could get a hold of that picture or a copy, oh, no, we'll sure a copy that'd be awesome. We'll make sure. Well, after the sort of initial uh, push, the wave, the first wave of rock and roll, um, it sort of moved into the 60s and the 70s. They came along, and, and in America anyway, there was sort of a backlash hit. Uh, the music became associated with uh, alternative lifestyles and drugs and so forth. I'm just wondering how that affected you. Did you embrace that change with, uh, you know, when Hendrix came along, the Grateful Dead, and, and this sort of hippie and kind of psychedelic movement? Did you embrace that, or were you just hanging on for the ride? No, I still wanted to hear the rock songs. I, Jimi Hendrix was an exception. I, I appreciated his incredible uh, talent. Uh, no, the other things I did not. I was not a flower power guy. I didn't like that at all. But there were a lot of good things in the mix of all of that. I thought Fogarty and CCR was incredible, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of acts. But, no, the, uh, you know, uh, uh, Yellow Banana, uh, Electric Banana, whatever the hell. Wagons <laughs> <laughs> with the daisies painted on the side, up the street from our station. Because we had our hate ashbury It was called Fourth Avenue. And I'd see all these losers out there, and I knew them as losers from high school. <laughs> they didn't want to work. They didn't want anything. No, I couldn't relate to all the other, you know, eve of destruction, excuse me, uh, we're still here. <laughs> That's correct, yeah. Well, it is weird how a lot of that music got associated with them, and, and actually the artists rejected that notion. You know, a lot of the people that followed the Grateful Dead, the Grateful Dead, I mean, that whole movement, they never got it, I never got it. No, I didn't get it. And, 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 and the other thing is, have you read Bob Dylan's book, Chronicles? Yes, that's a great read. No, he's a, but it isn't the Bob Dylan everybody thought it was, is it? No. And he kept saying, what do you mean making me a prophet? I'm a soul. the worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, okay, I will take note of that. Oh, please. <laughs> You've heard a review and it ain't good. Okay, well, straight from the... It goes back to what I call the Bobby Darren era. And one young man here that my friend Bruce also... Um, out of this area, now living here, is Elvis Costello and his lovely wife. Another new group, by the way, uh, three standing ovations uh, uh, of a cappella like you've never heard, but uh, another great talent who you wouldn't associate with uh, uh, necessarily with music. 
and he's just nominated for a uh, Grammy, is uh, Wayne uh, Brady. He's just done, oh. uh, uh, you know, a change is going to come, Sam Cooke's old number, and it's nominated for a Grammy. That, yeah, and that's, and that's a talented guy right there. Oh, what a talented man. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. No, he's such I, he said, read that so flattering, but I meant it. I said, you're the new Sammy Davis Jr. I, oh, I completely agree with that statement. Yep. Well, let me ask you about, the, there's something that we don't have down here on our, our radio that you do have up there, and I'm, I'm curious what your take is on the Canadian content rule. Uh, a disaster. I've hated it from day one. <laughs> can do things better than private people can. I think we need government, of course. But they've forgotten. I mean, the infrastructure is falling apart, but they're going to tell me how to live. So explain that to me. That was never uh, my hero of uh, all time, Thomas Jefferson's idea. Uh, remember his great line? He said, uh, the government that can give you everything you want can also take, take everything you've take got. It, take it right away. Yes. You've got it. So sad for me in the United States because I've worked there. I've got relatives there, of course. Half my family's uh, from the U.S. Uh, it's sad now to see such a division. And if you disagree with somebody, uh, they uh, paint you in a corner, and uh, you know, you know, it's like having leprosy or something. I, I don't yeah, like to agree with somebody, and it, it's it's very disturbing down here what's happening in that arena. But back to the CanCon when they brought it in, I thought if you're going to do it, you see, we had a problem here. There, a lot of people don't have an infrastructure. What I mean by that is, prior to the Canadian content 1970, we'd have to go to Nashville or LA or New York to record because we didn't have engineers who knew, uh, knew how to put up and uh, you know, uh, Bobby, uh, Robbie Robertson in the band, and on and on and on. Yeah. But the negative part of it is we don't need it now. And Canada always has this sort of marketing board ever, uh, where you can go in and, and, uh, and, and buy a um, all-white meat turkey. You know, as it was the opening. It was amazing. Uh, all the DJs that were in there, the Robert W. Morgans, who, by the way, I was in the Army with him at Fort Ord, California. Uh, he's gone now. What a great DJ he was at the KHJ and then on the K-Earth in the Wait latter a second, hold. You served time in the U.S. Army? Yes, sir, I did. Well, thank you very much, sir. We really appreciate it. Are you that. kidding? I, you know, a lot of things I said, just a minute. All my pals here are going. Uh, going. Uh, what am I going to do, run back for the border? I wouldn't do anything like that. It's not in my makeup. Was this during the Korean War? No, it was, uh, oh, don't beat me that much. I, <laughs> no, no, it was just before Vietnam broke out. As a matter of okay. fact, we all mounted up one night to go on trains to San Francisco out of uh, uh, Monterey because that's where Ford Order was. We really appreciate it. That's, that is quite stellar of you, my man. It was my, it was my uh, honor and duty. I, I would do it all over again. Okay, so but, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, anyway. So anyway, again, we got sidetracked. Red, wake up. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the biggest thing was all the people uh, on that big. Now they're just opening up the archives and library, which I'm contributing to, too, uh, a separate division of it. But anyway... We, that night, they had a concert. 80, oh, Johnny, go. So we know what's coming. Yeah. Go, Johnny, go. Bang. Out on this revolving stage, steps Chuck Berry and goes into Johnny Be Good. Nice. In the middle of the song. Yeah. Oh, it went on till 3 in the morning. You could never buy a ticket for a show like this. It was oh. the most unbelievable concert and experience of my life. My wife and I said, you know, pinch from uh, our friend John Fogarty from CCR. He had refused to do any for, I guess, about eight and some of my old-time Rockabilly favorites were there. A Canadian guy by the name of Jack Scott, who had uh, a, a multitude of uh, rockabilly hits, was there, right. and a lot of people I knew. Yeah, and you also have a, a star on the uh, the Vancouver Walk of Fame. Yes, sir. Yep. That was a fun, uh, for those of you who don't know. We don't want to. I don't want to get into it and take all the time, but go go to funny. That is very funny. Okay, uh, we have been talking with uh, Red Robinson, legendary broadcaster out of Vancouver, Canada, Vancouver, British Columbia. He's been so gracious to join us. Red, we have the Big Ten question that we have to ask you, and then we we got to let you go, Mike. No, we have. There's a lot of things left that we would like to ask you and, and bring you back on. But let's go with the Big Ten and let's let people get to know Red Robinson. Are you ready? I'm ready. 
Red Robinson's favorite. The comfort at this stage in my life. <laughs> there you go. And Red Robinson's favorite team. Sports, favorite what? Favorite sports team. Well, you know, up until this year, it was the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> <laughs> favorite tool that you like to work with. Well, like a lot of males I know, when something's wrong, I reach for a hammer. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. That was Red Robinson, and he is a legendary Vancouver broadcaster. In fact, you can listen to him right now. He's on Sundays on 104.9 FM, 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. That's a long shift, man. This guy, yeah, he he's, no, he's no spring chicken, but he's, he's lively, he's entertaining, and he is so full of knowledge. And it's called the Red Rock Diner is the name of his program, and he does give lots of cool stories about his um, uh, days in rock and roll, all the people he's met, and, and all those things. Uh, what did you think about his Seahawk comment? That is great. I'm glad uh, that he has a reason to uh, like the Seahawks even more today. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> and uh, I thought it was funny. I thought it was interesting that he is not a uh, hockey fan. Yeah, so, really. That's yeah, pretty surprising. I'm surprised, surprised they haven't run him out of town. Yeah, I thought him and uh, Don Cherry would be buds. They might be, but not on the hockey, uh, not on the ice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, we want to really thank Red for being on the program with us. Now there were some glitches in the in the in the what happened was we did the recording and then for some reason our computer fragmented and we had to piece that thing back together and uh, we did the best we could but I, I the, the the content was there. The gist of it everything was there and so we really want are really sorry about that. Yeah, we really want to thank Red for being on with us. Thank you. And uh, we didn't want to call back and go hey we screwed it up. But it's there, and it's good, and it's Red Robinson, and we hope to have him back on. So let's go. a computer. That sounds like mine. Yeah, <laughs> I think we were using your computer. <laughs> I think you were. Yeah, we forgot to feed the hamster, and he got slow <laughs> on the wheel. <laughs> so let's do, some, uh, let's do some birthdays. Yes. Okay, well, this week in birthdays, we have the first person we have. Well, it's a lovely lady who's a blues master. Bron Bonnie Raitt is going to turn 59 on the 8th. She can play. I've seen her a couple times. She yeah. Really play. Yeah, she's really good. I haven't heard much from her lately, but uh, she's an amazing, amazing guitarist. Phil McKenzie is going to be 49. And, of course, one of our favorite Canadians, uh, rock and roll king, grandfather of grunge, going to be 63, and that would be Neil Young. Yes. Yeah, I saw Neil the Young. Real deal. Saw him with Pearl Jam out at the Gorge one time. That was crazy. I got to tell you one thing, though, on that second birthday. Mm -hmm. It was Mackenzie Phillips. That's Mackenzie Phillips? Well, that's, <laughs> yeah. not what I, that's not what Double D wrote down. Double D? <laughs> what did, what I did write? you put? You put, <laughs> you put Mackenzie Phil. <laughs> Come on, dude. Hey, we got okay. standards on the program, and yeah. you're falling down on a job. But that's why I use pictures. <laughs> oh, my goodness. If you had drawn a picture, I'd have known who it was. Well, see, I thought that was kind of topical, well, uh, considering her revelations about, uh, you know, the old man. My yeah, well, goodness. way to hang me out to dry, because I, I sound like an idiot, and I'm just going along. I'm like, okay, well, it gotta be, well, can't be Mackenzie Phil, so it's got to be Phil McKenzie. Don't know who that is, but apparently it's important. Well, Mackenzie's currently in counseling, but still, happy birthday to her. All right. Okay, I'll take the blame for that one. All right, let's I, go to birthdays. Totally birthdays from beyond. Yes, we must go to the other side. What a disaster. Well, November 9th, 1934, he would have been 74, and always 
liked watching this guy on PBS on Cosmos, and he would always say billions and billions of galaxies, and that would be Carl Sagan, Dr. <laughs> Carl Sagan. He was out there. He was. He was out there. And uh, this being, uh, we're coming into Veterans Day, I thought this was appropriate. Uh, born on November 11th, 1885, would have been 123 years old. Old blood and guts himself, George S. Patton, and uh, a lot of the guys that served under him, they called him blood and guts, and yes. they said it was our blood and our guts. That's right. right. He, didn't mind, he didn't mind spreading them around. No, no. And uh, also, uh, keeping in the military vein, uh, one of my favorite TV lieutenant colonels, uh, McLean Stevenson, uh, Colonel Henry Blake, born November 14, 1929, would have been 79, and of course, uh, the uh, great character on MASH. Yeah, it's hard to believe he's gone. Yeah, he's gone. He but, was uh, a classic character actor, and he really found his groove with that one. Absolutely. All right, well, that's the birthday, so if you see any of those guys walking around, uh, especially the living ones, <laughs> pat them on the back, say happy birthday, and if you see Neil Young, say how's it going, eh? That's right, and, yeah, and uh, he'll probably want you to smoke something. Well, let's check out a moment in uh, this day in rock and roll history. It also involves... Uh... No. <laughs> no. Okay, All right, we'll let's, start this uh, one over. Let's start. Okay, let's... Uh, let's uh... You ready? All right, let's check out this day in rock and roll history. It also involves somebody we've been talking about, and that is the Canadian, of course, Neil, Neil Young. <laughs> Why are you playing that song? It's David Bowie. Oh, it is David Bowie. My mistake. Start over. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, so let's check out this day in rock history. This is, uh, you know, a guy, he's not from Canada, but he's from the uh, just across the pond. One of my favorite performers, you know, and I, I, one of the guys on my I haven't seen live yet list, but I really want to, that's David Bowie. What's happening yeah. with him? Well, David Bowie on November 8th, 8th so that would be today. That's in right 1978 now. or 1975, he made his first U.S. TV debut performing fame on the Cher CBS TV show. <laughs> and you know what was funny about it is he actually looked almost better than Cher, and it kind of pissed her off. Oh, I bet. I think he was wearing a dress at that time. Yeah, and, was uh, he doing the whole weird sort of Ziggy Stardust? Uh, yeah, I think it was a Bob Mackie original. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was—he's the only artist I've, that I uh, won best male and best female vocalist in the same uh, award show, and it was like in Iceland or Greenland or something. Right. This is Yeah, you look up androgynous in the dictionary, and there's, there's picture. a picture of him. Yeah, yeah. So. so that's this day in rock and roll history with David Bowie. All right. Well, uh, did uh, we have – I know this week – well, tonight Kiss is playing at the uh, Key Arena, and also I believe it's coming up on Tuesday or – uh, Black Crows are in town. Any other concerts you know of that's coming up right now? Um, no, I think that's uh, probably the two uh, major ones that are happening right now. All right. Well, uh, you know, speaking of the, we were talking to Red Robinson earlier. We were talking about the Hall of Fame. They, there's this Canadian uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and uh, Red's in it. And I know that they had <laughs> one inductee this year. That's right. So, 2009. Yeah. What's up with the uh, Canadian Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? What's your take on that? Well, the Canadian Rock and Roll, or excuse me, the Canadian Music Hall of Fame 
it's in conjunction with the Juno Awards, which is the Canadian equivalent of the Grammys every year. Right. And it started in 1978, and the first inductee was Guy Lombardo, and uh, old Guy was known for many years as the music maker on New Year's Eve, always playing old Lang Syne. Correct. Uh, and I'm just going to hit the highlights. Uh, 81, Joni Mitchell was inducted, and she's up there in Vancouver, I believe. I think so. And we just talked about him, 82, the real Neil was inducted, Neil Young. Brian Adams got to be in there. He's in there. I'm getting to him. Okay, sorry. He's a, he, he was inducted in uh, 1982. He uh, was inducted a few years later. Yeah. And uh, then, of course, you would uh, have to think that this guy would be in there. In 86, the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald guy, Gordon Lightfoot. Oh, he's a classic. He's in there, and sure. I have seen these guys, and they are a great band, a great Canadian import who had lots of uh, hits on the U.S. charts. That would be the Guess Who in 87. Yeah, Burton Cummings and the boys. And, of course, this one is highly important to uh, Big D as well as Bubbles uh, <laughs> in, in 1994, the Power Trio, oh, Rush. Yeah. One of the greatest three-piece band ever. Ever. Rush was ever. inducted. Uh, and now we're going to jump ahead into the 2000s. And there we have it in the year 2006, of course, Brian Adams. And uh, then in the last two years, uh, the one that uh, kind of surprised me uh, in 2009, Lover Boy. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, they had some U.S. hits and not a bad band, but... Uh, maybe one or two, two or three, maybe. Right, right. But the one, these guys, I don't, as another Canadian power trio, they, they don't get enough credit. And they have some really great songs and put out some really good things. 2008, Triumph. Triumph, yeah. The, well, what about April Wine? They in? April Wine is not in, and oh. that's what I was going to say on this. Noticeable by their absence when you look at this. No Shania Twain. That's unbelievable. And no, the greatest singer in all the world, just ask her, <laughs> Celine Dion. No Celine Dion. That, well, you know what? Maybe they dislike her as much as we do. <laughs> that, but that is amazing because she's probably got to be one of the greatest selling uh, artists ever out of Canada. Yeah, well, you think her grandpa that she uh, married could have got her in. Uh, but he's probably working and pulling strings right now, unless he's got Alzheimer's and he can't remember. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> well, so that's the, the highlights of the Com Canadian Music Hall of Fame. Yeah, well, I... But a little tribute to Red. Where is the Canadian Music Hall of Fame? Toronto. Uh, that doesn't surprise me. It should be... It should be somewhere in the heartland, like we put ours in Cleveland. They should have put it in, like, Calgary or something. Right, yeah, but, no, but... Uh, Toronto's in, too far away. It's in the big city. All right, well, thanks for that, Joe. Well, it's been a uh, pretty packed program, and, of course, highlighted with our man, Red Robinson. And I think he's working on a new book that's coming out uh, in a little bit, and hopefully we can have him back on when that comes out. It's, the ro it's rock and roll history from a... DJ's perspective, and I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, what an incredible guy. Yes, and um, we want to take a moment uh, to thank all of our veterans. Veterans Day is coming up this week. We salute you. We are here because of you. We appreciate everything that the vets have done, and the vets that didn't make it through, God bless you. Hope you're resting in peace, and um, you know, my heart goes out to all the families of those who have uh, members who are serving right now, 
uh, something I never did. I, I wish I had, but uh, my father served, and a lot of my uncles served, and a lot of my friends served. So everybody knows a vet. Thank a vet. Thank them profusely for our freedoms and all those things. We want to thank Red Robinson for being on the program. And uh, you want to tune in next week because we've got some local bands who will be joining us. We have the Vile Red Falcons, rock band out of Tacoma. We're also going to be talking to local rap sensation Roderick, who's just recently on BET. And uh, this has been another edition, a strange but wonderful kind of wacky edition of the Northwest Convergence Zone. Joe, yes. get in your car and get over here. I'm, I'm rolling. And, uh, yeah, my heartfelt thanks to all the veterans. And, uh, and as always, uh, we want you home safe. Come on home as soon as you can. Yeah, Double D, thanks for being here. You're welcome. All right, man. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. Tell a friend about the Northwest Convergence Zone. We'll see you next week.